Good evening. Maranatha to you again. You had a chance to run and you did not. You're back for more. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, and again, this is an amazing portion in Scripture, I believe. Even though it is a very popular portion in Scripture, it is a, it is a, a portion in Scripture oftentimes left for the children in the Sunday school. And that's about as far as we get with it, but we trust that the Lord will help us tonight to just to look a little bit deeper into this amazing story. As you might already recall, the chapter itself always being labeled as Daniel in the lion's den. So Daniel chapter 6. And just so that you know, books like this, sometimes you have a tendency to wonder if the book is going to stay good the whole way through. And I'm here to advise you, just in case you don't know, that the second half of this book is just as exciting as the first half of the book, if not more. So we're in for a treat because this is probably our midway point, and with that, we'll, we'll read uh, from verse 1. It said it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole realm, or the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. And if you remember, uh, right before this was a story that we went over, and the Lord was gracious on Friday, some of us were here, and we went over chapter 5, and you remember that was the great fall of Babylon. It happens even in this book as we speak. And a historical event right there for us to weigh in the balances. It's an amazing thing. Because, see, there's so many, uh, chapter 2 was talking about these kingdoms. And this kingdom will follow that kingdom, and this kingdom will end, will be followed up by this kingdom. And you wonder if there's any truth to that. And then Daniel, as if he's writing it, says, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you an example. So you get here, and you remember that night, verse 30 of chapter 5 would say, That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. So there you have your first division in this prophetic book of an actual earthly kingdom, one a physical kingdom, not just one of these fairy tale high in the sky, no, a physical kingdom actually taking over that of Babylon. And so you come to this place and of course Darius, as any new king, I would imagine not being a king myself, although at times I do feel like I am, uh, I am not a king, but I would imagine there's a lot that goes into preparing a kingdom that has just been taken over. And one of the things that you do, again, a very helpful thing, would be to get the wise men and the, men, the astrologers, the magicians. And I don't want you to think, again, that these were some uh, white coats that just dwelt in the rooms, uh, kind of a little strange, a little odd, probably can't have regular conversation. All they do is use scientific terms. No, 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 no. These were educated men and at the highest level. And they were used in the kingdom mightily. And it wasn't just with science. Oh, no. It was with, with, you know, yes, science was part of it, but medicine and law and politics and things of that nature. And these men were exploited, every aspect of them. They were exploited by these new kingdoms because it makes sense, doesn't it? You bring this kingdom, well, you've got to bring the people alongside. 
I don't know about you, but if somebody took over the United States, I don't know how happy you would be to follow the new regime, okay? It might not be in your favor. The new regime might not agree with what you like or do what you've always been accustomed to, nor allow you to do it. So a very helpful thing would be to keep a couple of the top upper echelon and help smoothen things over, huh? Makes sense. Good. It does because Darius thought it did. And that's exactly what he did. And he followed in the footsteps of a good king named Nebuchadnezzar. And it seemed like the recipe was, was working. However, as you could imagine, in politics, you have this thing called envy and jealousy. I know that might come as a surprise to many of you. But outside these doors, it is a very, uh, a very popular thing to be jealous and envious of certain positions. I don't know if that ever happened to you, but it surely does happen in governments, doesn't it? And you see, uh, they, they, like to, they like to say they, they cover their claws, as it were, with their cloth so that you don't see their true colors. But in beha- behind the scenes, they start to work as what? And they start to behave as what? As animals, right? Animals. And I told you this morning, and maybe it's worth repeating, that from here on out, the book itself starts to represent something of, of the fashion of a zoo. For in this book, this chapter alone, you have lions. And I don't know about you, but I particularly like lions. I like lions so much as long as they're behind a very thick glass or somewhere where they cannot get to me. But most of the time, it is, it is something that fascinates men and women, isn't it? You hear so often of individuals that take these amazing trips to Africa, and what they want to do is they want to get close to these animals. Not necessarily the lion alone. I'm sure the lion is included, but you get the giraffe and the, the rhinoceros and you know, all, these, all these animals that Metro Zoo promises, but you never see them. But uh, no, no, no. They do that so that they can get close, and they can see these. Why? Because are they, are they horrible animals? Is there no beauty to any animals? I reminded you that in chapter 2, when it came to the kingdoms of, of men, he used a tremendously beautiful picture. Started with the head of gold all the way to the feet. You remember? It included iron and, and some por- portions of it were iron mixed with clay. It was a beautiful picture of what these empires would look like. But then you get to chapter 6 and chapter 7 and then chapter 8, and it's almost as if a coloring book is now being presented because you get all these animals and none of them look right. A lot of them are beautiful in the sense of the aspects that they carry, the vision, the speed, the power, the teeth. Oh, they were powerful things to behold. But they certainly uh, weren't all horrible, were they? Is there no beauty to any wild animal? I tell you that there is. And so in a sense, God here is not being cruel Neither is he mocking men, but he wants to evaluate what is about to happen. And the reality is that we live in a world where jealousy and envy is rampant. And it always has been in the kingdoms of men. And it won't be any different here. How do I know that? Because I'm here and it's 2013. This book was written in 6 BC. I mean, I surely wasn't there. Some of us look like we could have been there, but I wasn't there. So how do I know that? Look at verse 4. And I love this. It says, So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge nor fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault in him. 
An amazing testimony, isn't it? Again, in an unlikely situation, in a place where he was not in his comfort zone. He was a Jew through and through. He would certainly have wanted to be in Jerusalem, of all places, God's holy city, not in Babylon, not under the, 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 the reign of pagan kings. It was very uncomfortable for Daniel. He wasn't in his comfort zone. But that didn't deter him from being, uh, to, of recognizing who he identified with. Very important. The life of the believer is not one of ease. It's one of very many challenges. And as you get older, brothers and sisters, friends, you'll find that the task and the challenges, are, they, they go alongside, don't they? As you hold yourself more accountable to God's word, you'll find that the challenges are harder in keeping his word. And Daniel was in the same situation. However, I don't know how, how many times you've had the IRS or the CIA or the special service come to your home looking to see if they can find anything about your life that they might find fault in. I certainly wouldn't invite them into my home if I have had the choice <laughs> or nor my lifestyle. It wouldn't take very long for them to find fault in me. And maybe some laps and things that I've left behind, some things I've left uncovered or undone, it wouldn't take very long. You see, but Daniel here was searched through and through. And what a testimony. If you ever ask yourself, can it be done? Daniel says, yes, it can. Because <laughs> they searched him through and through, brothers and sisters. The CIA, the, the equivalent of that, the special forces, they wanted to find something in Daniel, but they could not. For he was faithful. That's all it took. Being faithful to his God, it is an easy recipe. Just one to, hard to keep, isn't it? But Daniel did. And these men got furious. And their claws start to come out. And they have to get more aggressive. And things are going to happen in this chapter that has not happened at all in this book. Let alone in many of the books of the prophecy. And let alone in, in many times uh, before this. Governments hadn't done what was just about to be done. And I know you know where I'm going. But let's wait. Let's look at verse 6. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king. As this was their, na their nature, you always have to make sure that you're in good with the king. And sometimes that will take doing some extracurricular talking and a little fluffing up of the truth and making sure that the king is extra pampered and make sure that you approach him appropriately. And they did, they did a fine job of that. And some of us know how, 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 how when you look at that, and it's, it's not the most desirable thing, but these men were trying to make a name for themselves. There was nothing to stop them. They had to do what they had to do. So if the king was having a bad day, they made sure that they were there to make it better. And they did what they could. And here they go, and they look to the king, and they say, King, live forever. Uh, of course, sometimes uh, you, can, you can imagine they probably didn't want the king to live forever. But in this case, there was something more important than the king at the present moment. So they approach him, and they say, Oh, king, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever, now you got to catch this, makes, or whoever makes petition of any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. I love how it, when you were in school and you used to write papers, they discouraged the use of all or every. It, it showed a level of the fact that there's no way that you possibly could have weighed out every single opportunity or balance. And so they frowned upon using that all word or every situation. 
They, you know, they just they wanted to be careful. And you could imagine here their approach as they said, all the satraps and counselors and administrators and governors and everybody who's anybody has, has consulted. And we thought there would be a great idea. Funny to think that Daniel was a higher up. And it seems as if Daniel didn't have any input in this at all. And, and so, again, you could imagine how they hide the truth. Uh, even in hiding it a little bit can be a very dangerous thing especially when you're the one that they're trying to bring down. And so they agreed uh, uh, to put together a petition. And I know you're thinking, what, what does it all mean? Why would anyone want to do this in the first place? Is this all being done to get rid of good old Daniel? Well, let me let you know, at, uh, on a historical level, it was a very wise thing. Many philosophers would agree, many pagan philosophers would agree, that the one thing that bonds men and women more than anything in this world is religion. And many kings and, and authorities and governors and, and such would take it upon themselves in, in situations just like this. To bring the people together, you bring them unity of religion. It was done in the Roman Empire, you know, that uh, they didn't really care who you worshipped as long as you were willing to worship everybody's God. In the sense, they said, good, you have this, and you have this idol, and yes, Christians, you have the Lord Jesus, but please be prepared to worship the God of the state. And if you weren't willing to worship, uh, they, they, they obviously made uh, a, a light work of you and your family and the things that belong to you. And many kingdoms have done that in desire to bringing people. Because could you imagine from the outskirts how impossible the task would be to bring people together to make sure that there's not riots and rebellions over and over again, because those kind of things happen. When men and women don't, uh, a couple of brothers and I were talking earlier, when men and women don't agree, it's only a little while before they start bucking against the system, huh? Even as good, well-behaved as we all find ourselves, eventually, enough's enough. And men will have enough, and, uh, and they will make sure that if it causes us to rebel, they'll do it. And they have done it over the histories. Uh, uh, but you see, this, what King Darius here was now doing, was not the first time. Nor would it be the last time that a government would do that. Try to make a bond of men and women using religion. And look what happens. Uh, you could imagine the king as he weighs this out. Uh, I wonder if it makes any sense. Maybe this, maybe this is a good idea. And then he says, well, who, 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 who should be the one that they do answer to? And then here comes the great answer, huh? These, uh, these astrologers look and say, well, you, O king. And he's looking at it and he says, surely I, I'm not worthy of uh, that men would bring any praise or uh, any, anything of that nature. Oh, yes, oh, yes, you are king. Yes, yes, yes. Who's higher than you? It, it only makes sense that you would be the one. That if they make any petition outside of you, they should be cast into the lion's den. An interesting thing, but the man bought it, hook, line, and sinker. The pride of men. Eventually, he waited out. Might have sounded bad at first, but you know what? Men will be men, won't they? And he said, you know, I've started thinking about it, and yeah, maybe I am the one man that everyone should make petition. And he agreed. And he went along with their plan, not knowing. And look, and I, trust me, you're going to find out the consequences later on in his decision because he's going to get upset. Not with Daniel. He'll be upset with himself. Verse, uh, verse 8. Now you get to the, the, the thing that made the Medo-Persian Empire very popular is this. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writings so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter, and it goes on to say, nor does it change. And you find here that a step 
in the direction of law. You see, uh, back, back in uh, even the days of Babylon, uh, Babel, men tried to find a government, a system that would usher in utopia here on earth. And trust me when I say that the United States, along with other countries along, uh, around the world, have joined in their efforts to bring in utopia. And they love the idea of this type of nirvana where men and women will live in happiness and there will be no more fighting and there will no, no more bloodshed and they just desire to live in peace and harmony throughout the world. It, it is a great thing. But the problem with it is that they try to do it outside of God. And you see, they try to separate and they, they make evaluations of these governments and these government systems and they all have their particular failure. Our brother and I were again discussing late earlier how the strides in governments have, yes, they've made some good strides. I don't know about you, but I'm certainly glad to be living in the United States. I love the, the, the I guess, for the, the benefits of the democracy that we live in. I don't know if you would prefer to live in, in maybe some kind of uh, an, an Amazon and out there in the jungle and the law, uh, the law being that of, the, 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 of nature and, and I let, you know, jungle rule. Or, or would you rather live maybe in Nebuchadnezzar's day where you could be going to work and doing everything right and Nebuchadnezzar could just find a displeasure with you and your family and have your family wholly eradicated and he doesn't need two-thirds vote from Congress nor does he need anything of the sort of the House of Representatives and he would just slay you and your family. I don't know if you'd prefer to live there or, do, or, 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 or have governments made strides in the right directions. That's a good question, isn't it? Because you see here for the first time they would implement the law of the Medes and Persians. It would put us all under the same law, even Stephen. I believe even to this day, there are places where even the upper echelon, the queen and the, the king can be ushered into courtrooms by the lower class. It is a matter of putting all on the same level. Is there any benefit to that? Well, Daniel's going to examine it, isn't he? And he's going to show the strides here, and he's going to show how uh, the, the amazing accomplishments, because it is a thing of beauty. Again, I remind you, that God has not mocked us by putting these pictures in Scripture just for us to read them in the back room there or in the brown room. I don't know if there's Sunday school there anymore. Uh, seems a lot of things have been changing in that room. But well, maybe at one time there was Sunday school being taught of the lion's den and of the, the visions in Daniel and how they mean so much to the kids. But pray, tell me that they mean a little more. Because that's exactly what Daniel's trying to communicate, isn't he? That there's strides in the right direction. Men and women are striving and are trying to make changes. It's not all corrupt. I pray that you don't look at this world and say it's all bad. Again, I say that only because as believers, sometimes we put ourselves in a higher level and we, we neglect the beauties that there is in, 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 in accomplishments that men and women with a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work, have put together. And I believe a lot of it, if given the proper thanks, and realizing the proper source can be used mightily. Again, I, I refer to democracy. It's a good thing. It isn't a perfect thing. But boy, has it given us liberties as believers. I know you don't go home every night wondering if somebody's going to barge through your doors. And have you, your life taken or your family's life taken because you named the name of Christ. It is a benefit that believers like us, uh, we, we enjoy. Pray that we don't take them for granted. Now Daniel steps on the scene, and this is when it gets exciting. Every time you read these passages in Scripture, uh, you almost wait for, uh, for Daniel to make an appearance. Because it is a it is, the book is named Daniel, you know that. 
And so he has to be somewhere in this book. You gotta, it's almost like, where's Waldo? You want to find where he's at and then focus in on that. Verse 10, lo and behold, you've waited patiently and Daniel appears. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So Daniel knew the decree had been signed. It was no longer a surprise. But notice the attitude that Daniel has. He doesn't go home and just go ahead, in a sense, want to stick it to the government and do what he never did. No. It was his custom, brothers and sisters, to pray. And he went, and he'd rather have met the lions than to be a day without prayer. And just so you know, it's an exciting thing to see these men that have faced lions, because he's, just, he's about to be inducted into a, long, a couple of mighty men. I, I think you might know them, uh, Samson, David. And I think there's at least one more according to Hebrews chapter 11. And Daniel was now about to face the lions because the writing was again on the wall and Daniel wasn't going to budge. I wonder, I wonder where we are spiritually. That's the challenge, isn't it, brothers and sisters? To know what the world expects, but to still honor God above it all. To seek Him no matter the cost. Proverbs, I believe it says 23, 23. You buy the truth, brothers and sisters, and you sell it not. The day that you put a price tag on the truth of Scripture is the day that you'll be wrong. And God won't side with you when you do. No matter how, uh, how you've justified it in your own mind, in your own heart, if you know the truth, you sell it not according to that proverb. And you hold on to it. And, it, and again, I point to Daniel because he was about to face a tremendous amount of uh, uh, adversity because of what he held on to. But did he have a choice? I tell you that according to these men, they've already proven that they don't have a choice. Their God was of supreme value, of the utmost value. And if something is that important to you, brothers and sisters, then you don't have a choice either, do you? Really, naturally speaking, you don't. And these men here would be a perfect example. Look what it says in verse 11. These men assembled. And found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. I'd like to think it went something like this. You see, Daniel was there, and he has his windows open to Jerusalem because he believed the scriptures again that God would one day reside in his city and would bring the deliverer again that would be coming out of God's holy city, that of Jerusalem. And so he knelt down and prayed, and he had his windows open. He probably wasn't praying too loud. He was probably praying the normal volume. Maybe not as loud as I, I'm speaking tonight, but that's fine. Daniel has his, uh, has his things as well. And so he was praying, and you could imagine as he, these men would walk through the garden, of course, they would, oh, I wonder to myself, what is that noise? And they would look around, and they couldn't find anyone to the left nor to the right, and they started to look a little harder, wouldn't they? And they would look into the window. It's Daniel, what a surprise. And he's making supplication. I wonder if he's making supplication to the king. Ha, he's not. Let me go deal with him now. And you find that these men, they weren't doing any of the sort, were they? It wasn't a coincidence that these men were where they were. These men were starting to act like animals. And they tried to say, if Daniel was about to be lifted up, then that means there's no chance of me being lifted up. And if Daniel's got to go, then we got to find a way for him. To, we got to show him the door, as it says. And you know what they did? They waited for Daniel. And they waited for Daniel. And they knew Daniel would do it. 
And they wanted to get enough evidence because I trust they probably heard him at least three times. So they wanted the evidence to be compounded so that when they go before the king and watch how they approach the king one more time and now they have Daniel right where they want him. Look what happens. Verse 12. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king. Have you not signed a decree, O king, that every man who petitions any god or any man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Why the lions? Why is it all here? Why is Daniel facing all of this? And I remind you of this, brothers and sisters, of the reality that what these men were saying in their little trick was that there was, there, it was okay to make petitions of other gods, and, of this, and in this case, they deified a man, so I guess and of other men other than God. And you could see how if you stand on a biblical standing point, you can see where there's fault in that, right? You can see where, no, 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 we, we, we cannot make a petition to another God. We, we cannot make a petition to another man, no matter how good the invitation sounds, right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that the scriptures is right when it says there is one way? And that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. I hope you're not changing it in your Bibles these days to say a way because that wouldn't be in agreement with what God's word has to say. Is that not right? However, today the Christian is not being bombarded, in the, at least not in the United States. Let me not speak for the whole world. The Christian is not being bombarded these days and taken out of their homes and, and, and put on crosses upside down or their houses are not being burnt and they're not persecuted in that fashion. No, 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 no. But according to our day, the biggest temptation for, for, for believers these days is to compromise God's word. You see, they look at it as a jump type, uh, nirvana or, or this, this utopia that they try to reach without God. They look at it as a giant mountain. And they say, well, oh, Christian, good for you. You found one path, and, and that's an excellent path. We like this man named Jesus. He's a great man, great figure, good teacher. We like him. We approve our approval. Our stamp of approval is on him. But, 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 but let's not be so naive. Oh, oh, please, let's not be so ignorant as to believe that he is the only way. We're educated. There's men that are far more educated than I'll ever be that sit on a daily basis hoping to convince men and women that this mountain that we climb as Christians, apparently, has many ways. And you see, all that matters really is that one day all of us will get to the top and you get through whatever route you like and you use this God and the Hindus will use that God and, and the Christians are slowly saying something like this. Yeah, you know, after a while, it only makes sense that God's hand must be in it. It, it's, it sounds logical, that whole let's coexist type deal. And that's fine, isn't it? It sounds good on the top. And some of us have even uh, seen it, uh, I've seen it pictured so nicely, so well put, that if someone is not, uh, doesn't base it on Scripture, we can, buy, we can buy into it like that. Because it sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, this whole utopia and have everybody go to heaven and the reality that one, who wants anything bad, right? Uh, all of us will just one day be in heaven. It'll be a glorious place. And you came like this. And some of us came through the back door and others came through the brown room. And it doesn't matter now, does it? You see, but when you compare it to Scripture, Daniel knew what they were trying to say. Except for him, he knew the, the, the word of God. There was not this 
pluralistic or pluralism. There wasn't this, this multiple way to God. No, 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 no. He knew that there was only one way to God, and it was on his terms. And do you believe that? Because as a believer, you're going to have to defend that. And you're going to have to defend it. And if you want to practice, you better practice amongst each other. Because let me tell you that I'd rather go up against uh, Malcolm Skelton, who will be very kind and help me in my weakness and in my lack of knowledge in Scripture, than to go out there again against those that have, am they have ammunition. And they have things that sound very, very good. And they debate on the highest level, brothers and sisters. And they debate and they want to take God and they want to put him away. And some of it might just sound good. Because that's exactly what it is. The enemy is not uh, blunt at times. They take these ideas, these better philosophies, these theories. Some of these things are so big and bad that some of us will never get a real grasp. It doesn't matter. At one point or another, say, uh, the, the, the Lord is going to require us to do exactly what the saints did in the book of Acts. is to defend the truth. I hope you, if you believe it, I hope you can defend it. And if you don't, I mean, if you can't defend it, don't be afraid. This is your practice ground right here. You practice here. You learn here, don't you? And you practice here amongst each other. That's perfectly fine. Because I'd rather go through a, a buffet through a loving brother or loving sister before I go to the wilds of the world who, who, in a sense, hate God and want to do away with God. I hope you realize how serious the matter is. Because it's no longer this whole, uh, they name Christ, let's bury them. It's more like, let's be accepting. It's good. Bring them all in. Bring them all in. That's perfectly fine. I pray that that's our gospel. But on his terms, and his terms deals with only one way, that being his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ did not die on that cross, uh, brothers, sisters, friends, to make a way. That would be ridiculous. If there was another way, wouldn't he just have pointed everyone there? He did it because he knew he was the only way. And Daniel knew that so many years ago. But see, these men... They were in a society, like I mentioned this morning, that was used to having gods. It was pretty ridiculous, wasn't it, in Paul's day, when he would get to these idols and the number of idols. And just in case we missed an idol, let's make an idol to the unknown God. Just in case, you know, cover our bases. We don't want anybody getting upset. Not the gods, at least, right? Uh, and it was it almost it's ridiculous. But that is the same society that the Babylonian, uh, they, they had just come out of. The Medes and the Persians had just inherited a lot of the Babylonian empire. And that is the, not, that is the way that wise men and women had conjured up. And they, t and they bring it out to the streets. And they bring it out to the publicans. And they, bring it, and they preach this like you and I would preach the Lord Jesus Christ. And they think it's them being educated. But really, in comparison to God's word, it has no standing, no grounds. But the story doesn't end there, does it? Look what happens. I believe I was at verse 12. You can correct me if I'm wrong. My, fa my fancy fa iPad here has got me going. Here it is. Okay, yes, verse 13. Let's do 13. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, or this Daniel, uh, because they, they obviously knew who was the favorite child now, this Daniel who is one of the captives of Judah, just in case you forgot where he came from. He's not, he shouldn't be here, O king. He's here. He's just a captive of Judah. And he says, does not show due regard for you or doesn't care for the things that you have, O king, or for the decrees that you have signed, but make his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. 
If you remember the old King Nebuchadnezzar, when he heard that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to this golden image, he was angry with them. And he took it out on them and his rage. He brought them before and he says, Is it true that you, shall not, that you don't bow down to my golden image? And these men looked with confidence. And they looked past the king to a greater king. And they said, Oh king, we, 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 don't, we don't fear your petition. And we don't, we, don't need to, we don't need to pray to our God whether this, upon this matter. With confidence in a sense. We know we're not going to bow down. And guess what? Our God, he can deliver us. But if he will not deliver us, know this, O king that we will not bow down to your image. <laughs> they were very confident in the, in the Lord, weren't they? In the words of Scripture, they were very confident. Uh, these, and when you look at the, the, the difference in these stories, it is a little bit different because Darius had somewhat, uh, Daniel had somewhat rubbed off on King Darius. Huh? He saw something in him. It's an amazing thing. It happened in Joseph's life as well. If you see Joseph and some of the, some of the relationships that he had, you see, sometimes we get caught up in, in thinking that the only way that we can truly evangelize is by speaking and by letting people know. That's, that's a wonderful way. But sometimes, just sometimes, the living, the practical living for him and doing things honestly amongst men, even when men don't care how you do it, we do honestly and we show a good testimony, don't we? And that draws men, might not draw as many, but it draws men and women, doesn't it? And I think that's a, that's a key for us because if you find yourself to be a difficulty, being the vocal one, that's, that's okay. I wouldn't ever shy away from that. But you know, you can also have the responsibility to live honestly amongst men and to show that there's a greater reality in your life. And that works too, brothers and sisters. It works. It worked for Daniel. And so you find here the king had had this, uh, had this good relationship with Daniel. And so in a sense, when he made this decree, he realized what men oftentimes realize, even in 2013, don't they? We decided something without thinking about it. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. You make a hasty decision because it sounds good on paper. It sounded good right away, but then when you started thinking about it and breaking it down, you realize that wasn't a good idea at all. And now Daniel was about to get thrown into the lion's den, wasn't he? At the, the expense of a hasty decision from the king. Look what happens. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. I love that because some of us forget that he was the king. <laughs> and for him to labor on the behalf of a, a servant or a slave of Judah is a magnificent thing. It is mind-boggling that a king would stoop down to that level and seek to deliver him from the law of the Medes and Persians. And we find that he was unsuccessful though, right? Verse 15, Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians. In a sense, king, stop wasting your time. The law has been written. And you know when things are in law, it's a very powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah? Even today, things when they get in law, and even in our own country, they have a tremendous effect. Roe versus Wade, you've ever heard of that? Where the lady who had that, written, that law written in her name wants it overturned. She can't get it overturned. Because why? It's in the books now. And law is a very powerful thing in how it, it weaves in and out between our lives and how it affects us. And, the re and we mentioned it just a little this morning, just a little. The redefining of marriage and the redefining of the value of mankind and the value between the animals and men. It's being rewritten as we speak. 
You see, we're being infiltrated at levels right now where the enemy is, in a sense, just to use a very elementary level a word, he's being very sneaky. He's not knocking down with the bulldozers. The walls are not falling down anymore. It's the cracks that he's looking for. And it's happening in, our, in the present day that we live in. And believers are getting swept up about it. They look at the, re, the government says this about marriage. It must be okay. And they hold it to a standard almost as high as biblical standard, which is fascinating to me. The government approves homosexual marriages. Therefore, it must be okay. And God's people seem to, they, they, they look at it and they put it at the same level. Pray that we don't make that mistake. But that is the approach that the enemy is taking. He takes it and he does these subtle things. And, and here, there, there was no time for it. There was, there was no time for these laws. But they, do, they are powerful in themselves. And we must watch out. Because we grow up in an age where the children need to be watched after, don't they? And they need to know biblical principles. Because if you're, if you're waiting and you're lying upon the backbone of this government, you might find yourself to be sadly disappointed. Verse 16. And this will be in closing. It says, So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, to, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. It's an amazing thing. That when you stand, uh, th this is the thing. When these sufferings and these persecutions come around, I tell you, and I'll tell you again, because I believe it with all my heart, that God is good, exceptionally good in these times. These times are not something to be afraid of. Suffer suffering is something that the world has a very tough time with. They, they equate God on a level that God is to solve my problems. We went over that, didn't we? And so they don't understand how there could be a God and suffering at the same time. Oh, okay? And so when you get to these times, God is good. He's immensely good. And some of us are living proof of the fact that He would, didn't leave us. And He didn't abandon us in our lowest moments. And I'm telling you that I am living proof of that. And I stand before you this evening letting you know that this is real to me. God is real. And in these times, brothers and sisters, when the suffering does come, oh, pray that you don't lose your confidence in God because He's immensely good. Look what He does. He, 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 through the words of the king, He says, Your God, whom you serve, He will deliver you. How did He know that? If He didn't see the present reality in Daniel's life, He knew it that there was a greater reality in Daniel's life and God would not disappoint. And it's almost as if God was saying, I, I, I don't know how, I can only use my imagination. I, God was saying, You're right. I won't, let this, I won't let Daniel go. And could you imagine when they threw Daniel into the lion's den? Because these, 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 uh, these you know, magicians, astrologers, governors, none of them believed in angels. None of them believed in God. And so when they chucked Daniel in there, they didn't know that God would divinely send his angels and they would shut them out. But guess what happened before the chapter was over? It was their turn. And they didn't believe in angels. And when they were thrown in there, there would be no angels, would there? For they were all gone. And they would see the mouth of the lions. And again, you feel this, this world has a way of, of just ravaging oh, everyone all over. And they would be, in a sense, left to the dogs. And that's exactly what they, they had coming. That was their bitter end. But Daniel, again, by the deliverance of God, it wouldn't be the end of Daniel. I pray that you don't think that this world is all that we have. If you're living for this world, then you're wasting your time being in here, especially to listen to a preacher from New Smyrna Beach. You're wasting your time. If this is all that this world has to offer, friends, brothers, sisters, 
then we, we, like Paul would say, right, at the end, something like this, then we would be miserable. But just like Daniel, praise be to the Lord, this is not the end. We have a greater reality, a one in which no one can rip away, tear away, they throw us to the lion's den, whatever they might do, whatever, whatever they might throw. Pray that you hold on to that. Pray that that would be what guides your life and know that the things you do, you don't do them and God does not mock you in your, in, in your faithfulness to Him. He doesn't mock you. He's waiting to reward you and He wants you to be patient and He wants you to live for Him. Daniel did. Because let me tell you something. It is a quite something for Daniel chapter 1. Huh? Young buck, here he was, full of strength. Yeah, I'm not going to eat the king's meat. This man was not a young buck anymore. He was in his 60s now. And he was going to face lions. So I don't know where you are in your life and how old you think you are or young that you think you are. God is there at every level, at every level in our life. Pray that we be with him and understand that this life is not, it's not, it doesn't, it's not wrapped up in our youth. Pray it continues, even as we get older, that we can be used mightily of him and encourage each other to do the same. I've been encouraged immensely by being here, and I thank you for the invitation to bring God's word. I truly do. Because a lot of this to me is like preaching back at, uh, back at home, you know? So many familiar faces, so many that I have seen for over 20 plus years. Some of them look good, some of the faces look good. But you're still here. That means that the Lord is working and he's being faithful and I encourage you, because you encourage me. And the thing that, uh, that, that when you go around a little bit, and I don't go around that much, but I go around enough to see this happen. That sometimes when you go to places and you don't see the faces that you used to see, it's a very disheartening thing, you know. You wonder what happens to, to saints and how, what happened in their life to stop, you know. But here is a room of the redeemed, and you are, are pressing on. And I, and, I, and I know it's not a mistake. And I pray that you would continue to do that. And I pray that these words, these Daniel, if it helped Daniel, I pray that it helps us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we thank you because we know that all good things always come from you. And the strength that we get and the excitement we get in Scripture, we could be excited because the things that are in this Word, they're true and they're from heaven itself. And we thank you for them. Father, depart us with thy blessing. Be with the saints here at Boulevard. Be with the elders and their, and their loving families. And help them, Father, to continue to lift each other up. For the Lord Jesus will come. And he's coming soon. Father, pray that we be prepared in the Savior's name. Amen.